the Healthcare Marketing Underground podcast for the week of October 26, 2015. This is episode 275, and I am Chris Bevelo, EVP at Revive Health. And I am Chris Boyer, SVP at Revive Health. And we are doing the podcast today. Yes, we are. Woo. I'm having we're a sense of like, deja vu. We're doing a, um, we're having like a low energy going on here. <laughs> we're like that NPR bit on Saturday Night Live. Good times. Good times. Good times. Those are good times. <laughs> <laughs> we won't even get into what that was. Um, okay. Should we dive right into our topic or do we want to talk about the big news from last night? Uh, it's up to you. Do we want to spoiler everybody? Well, we better give them a spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. So if you're a Walking Dead fan and you haven't watched the October 25th episode, which I, th- I assume by the time this is posted, you will have or you will have been spoiled by somebody else. Yes. Yeah. So big news. Big character death. Glenn, our good buddy. No way. I yeah, it's hard to believe that it actually happened. I mean, and so I, do you think it did? I actually don't think it did. I actually think they're pulling a big one on us because it was just so. I mean, he's such a good character that it. It. I don't know. Do you watch? You watch the Talking Dead that show afterwards? Only parts of it. Only what so. My, Damon Linda Linda Linderloff, Lindahoff. Lindahoff, yeah. the guy who did Lost. He was on there, and he says he had the problem with Lost too, like killing off main characters. Yeah. And uh, he said, you know, at a certain point, c- you know, c- people consider the characters a little sacred and undiable. So um, and he says that, you know, Glenn became that character. Well, another spoiler alert. One of the reasons people think he didn't die is because he's set up to die in a more gruesome way later, according to the actual story in the comics. So it, yes. That's the argument people are using. So that's I don't know true. if that makes sense. That's Plus true. the situation he was in. Mm-hmm. Sorry. If he doesn't, it's going to be a big thumbs down for me. I mean, I'd. It's bad. It was devastating yeah. to watch it, but if he gets out of that, I know there's no way. I know there's I know. no way. Maybe he scurried under the dumpster and he's fine. Really? <laughs> I don't know. There's approximately a hundred zombies on top of him. Well, at least parts of him will come back. Well, that's what they said. Or yeah. but but through flashbacks or whatever. So or just parts. I mean, maybe body parts. You know? Yeah, he could it become is the a walking zombie. Dead. Yeah. So. That would be crazy. Anyway, big spoiler alert. That was big big news last night. Yeah, it so. was. So All right. Anyway, we'll move on to our topic du jour. Topic du jour. The dangers of digital. The danger. Bum, bum, bum. Danger digital. So we're big digital fans here. We love digital doings. That we do. Definitely. But like any strategy, it's got its ups and its downs, its pros and its cons, its blacks and its whites. It's offs and it's on. It's yins and it's yangs. It's Glenn is dead. It's Glenn isn't dead. <laughs> <laughs> so I wrote a blog post about it last week called The Dangers of Digital. Yeah. Um, and it just, it, it hit me first because I saw an article in Business Week mm-hmm. um, that kind of spurred my thinking about uh, how there's this rampant fakery of online audiences and how it's likely inflating, uh, at the very least, the impressions you get. Um, yeah. Potentially click-throughs, but really impressions uh, because there are bots that are basically put in place with the sole purpose of running up numbers on websites, mm-hmm. which inflates the value of that website, which inflates the cost of the ad. And then also when you get an impression on that website, um, it makes it look like you've got many impressions from that ad when actually some of them or many of them may not be human impressions. May not be real people. <laughs> may not be real people. <laughs> um, and so certainly a big deal 
and the story uh, in Business Week, which is called How Much of Your Audience is Fake, kind of paints out paints how this can work and mm-hmm. talks about Heineken and how they had shifted a lot of their advertising to digital. And their research, they had to dig deep to fi- figure this out, but they found that only 20% of their campaign's ad impressions, ads that appear on a computer or smartphone screen, were even seen by actual people. Wow. That's pretty bad. That's pretty significant if you think about <laughs> it. I mean, if you say- 80% is BS? 80% is our robots clicking on Heineken ads. Right. I mean, I, I didn't even realize Heineken was such a big brand that it would warrant that. But- uh, Well, it's not that Heineken's a big brand. It's whoever, whatever. I mean, it's wherever these ads show up, whether they're Heineken or mm-hmm. Joe's House of Crabs or Boyer's Shack of Yogurts or whatever. <laughs> Right, it's whatever yeah. these these ads show up. Well, is that the assumption then that the the article is saying that eighty percent of all ad traffic could potentially be from computers? Well, I don't know if they're drawing that conclusion, but Heineken did mm-hmm. with their um, research. Right now, mm-hmm. a lot of that is because if you just let your ad buying run wild and you don't monitor it, you're mm-hmm. going to be more likely to fall into that trap. Um, if right. you use um, oh, what's it called? Uh, totally escaped my brain certain kind of automated purchasing what's it called Help automated me. purchasing um like one click purchasing no, and stuff no, or no, what no, do you no. mean there's a name for it programmatic sorry programmatic. programmatic buying programmatic buying yeah which is essentially where you've got algorithms and you know a lot of agencies have that cuz it's quicker it's faster mm-hmm. um it's kind of like digital trading on the market right but it it seems to be more likely to happen there because there you're not really even dictating what's happening. You're giving general parameters. The software is figuring out where to put the ads mm-hmm. and off it goes. Mm-hmm. So, so if you're using that, you may need to dig a little deeper And our point in mm-hmm. talking about this is it's only a big deal if you value impressions, which we don't value impressions. We, we, we shouldn't value impressions. Impressions have their role, but in, in right. the case of digital advertising, it's it goes even further, right? It's into conversions, really, if you think about it. It's not how many people click on the ad, although you, it is pay-per-click in some cases, right? But in our case, we want to focus a lot on digital conversions, what they do when they after they click on it. That right, matters. and the, the reason why we're, we're anti-impression, but, well, I, I'm anti-impression in almost always because this just proves how fungible an impression is. So one of the ways is with traditional advertising, impressions are held up as this awesome metric. Hey, we had six million impressions from our mm-hmm. outdoor campaign. And you go, well, that's because six million people drove by your billboards. So that's right. what, it, tell me, define an impression. And then more importantly, to your point, what did that lead to? It's, right. it's, it's a function of what you buy, not a function of mm-hmm. outcome. Mm-hmm. So that's one. And then in digital, the reason we're really against it is because Unlike in other mediums, you have an opportunity to drive people to action right there. So right. if all you're doing is targeting awareness with your digital advertising, you're leaving the real value on the table. You really are. Yeah. So that's why impressions just, um, for for starters, are not really what you should target. They mm-hmm. can help sometimes. It's part of the funnel, if you will, of measurement. Mm-hmm. But if that's all you're looking at, you're falling far short of measurement. So mm-hmm. if you don't worry about impressions and you're only looking at and spending 
or evaluating your spend based on even click-throughs, let alone conversions, you're going to be far better off. And this this will kind of fall away. If if Heineken said, well, okay, so 20% of our, only 20% of our impressions were people, but we still had an increase in sales of this much, right. they can still do ROI and it becomes right. a moot point. Um, but if all you care about is impressions, then mm-hmm. it's a huge deal. Mm-hmm. You know, and when I, this reminds me of back when I was running pay-per-click at hospitals, we would initially the paper, you know, the, the, we would talk about, well, how many click-throughs that it made to the website, you know, how far, how many people it brought through. But once we were able to actually measure, measure the conversions, what their action was, that became much more meaningful to us. And then we right. started to develop like cost per acquisition numbers. We were able to determine the effectiveness of, you know, different types of advertising for different types of means because, um, and depend on what your call to action is too. It, 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 you know, that becomes a, a powerful metric as well. Sometimes leading people to an appointment is actually very effective. And if you can measure that and other times it might lead someone to sign up for a webinar. And then from there you have to measure how many of them actually just join the webinar after they signed up and that your, your measurement keeps your conversions keep going further and further, Yep. you know, but anyway, yeah, I agree. Impressions, bad impressions, bad. even click throughs. There's a lot of click through fraud because the, I don't know if that's possible with bots. Maybe it is. That's probably the next evolution of fraud. But certainly mm-hmm. there are folks in Est- Estonia that are hired basically to go and click on ads. Boop, boop, boop. Mm-hmm. And we've even, you know, there's, you know, your competitors can do that. Like yep. if your competitor is clicking on your ad, all it's doing is driving up the cost for you. Yeah, but uh, you know, there are ways that you can actually mitigate that too and, and block. You can do ad blocking uh, or uh, IP blocking in many cases to prevent that from happening once you discover it, right? Once you um, discover it, yeah. Once you discover it. And that's, you know, even when you look at the website, a lot of your organic or even paid traffic can come from a certain IP address. Then you can start to block it, but it's only after right. you look. After so, you see it's yeah, yeah, beware. Right. All right, so the second one is something we've been talking about for a while now. I know, boy, you've talked about it a lot. Mm-hmm. The flagging power of organic Facebook content, um, basically because Facebook has continued to change their algorithms to minimize the impact of, um, what do they call them, pages? Yeah. Like, it's not pages, sponsored business posts. Pages. That's the wrong thing to say. Business pages. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're back in when this first started. You had, if you were a business and you put out a piece of content, it was as likely to show up in the feed of your followers as their friends posts would. Now they've dialed that back to be, it's so minimal. Very minimal. And the reason they're doing it is why? What's the reason they give? The reason they give is they say they want to give you more relevant uh, news in your news feed and allow you the ability to actually access what your friends have. The real reason though is it's their, that's their business model. That's well, I was going to say, they, they say like, well, people don't want that in there. Yeah, feed. yeah. If, if we let all that into your feeds at the level it's you out there, like it. it'd be overwhelmed. So you wouldn't like it. But instead, yes, it's their business model mm-hmm. um, because they don't make any money off the organic posts. None, none at all. They make actually. them. So if you want your post to be seen by your followers at any level mm-hmm. that's, that's going to benefit you, you're going to have to um, sponsor that post. You're going to have to right. boost the post. And... Then there's opportunity, and, and really, um, it doesn't mean you shouldn't be using organic posts on Facebook. You still should do that because Absolutely. it still slips through, mm-hmm. uh, and a lot of people will go to your Facebook page when they're investigating you as much as they'll go to your website. Mm-hmm. So you want to make sure you have the proper mix of content there. Mm-hmm. But if you're truly using Facebook as a marketing tool, you may need to move. You may just kind of like, if you can't beat them, join them, and use their 
paid advertising model, right? And, um, which can be really powerful in terms of targeting specific people mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. because Very they have powerful. some incredible. St- no, what's the word I'm looking for? Data. Data, yeah, and demographics, and the ability to target. I mean, very hyper-targeting on interests. This is stuff that, you know, I know that Google is probably salivating over. They want to have that level of complexity to what, because it really becomes very relevant to you. The Facebook advertising model is is actually very, very strong. The, uh, we're still seeing that, you know, that it's, it's lagging a little bit in terms of conversions um, for the people that measure it. Um, and that, that, but it, but really it's, if you're trying to measure it as a conversion in this case, it does definitely drive up volume to your, your, your posts, uh, to your pages and impressions gets, of impressions back to that. Right. Well, then people actually then like your page, which I think is an action, right? So you can actually measure that as a conversion. They come to your page and then they like it. Um, it does that yeah. tremendously well. It but if you try to click on, if you put like action within like bitly like links or whatever link, right. to go all the way through, that still is lagging a little yeah. bit with pay per click. But that's because people on social are not really that active on the in the in the process. Which is why Facebook is also changing their tune because in the early days it was mm-hmm. all about look this awesome ability to engage people and connect through, and the paltry level of click throughs mm-hmm. of actual conversions, if you want to call them that. Um, from Facebook ads has had them shift and we've mocked them I think a few times on this podcast about their shift to know what really matters is impressions. (laughs) It's like they're going back in the time machine to the 1950s and selling Mm -hmm. you billboard space which Mm -hmm. is like no it's the whole value of this is that you can engage people Um, but they see they can't make as much money on that so they're trying to get you to, to um, value impressions as well. So let me ask you something in this Business Week article I didn't see them clearly hone out that Facebook traffic is fake do they no they actually call out that Facebook is protected from that yeah so I mean so in in terms of your fake click-throughs you won't get that so much but the problem is is that you have to pay to play with Facebook now and Twitter and LinkedIn and Pinterest and name the social media yeah I mean even um, Dropbox is now advertising isn't that what you said yeah but not in that way like you can't advertise with it but but yeah, but there's still the ability now to everywhere you go from what used to be free is now something that you have to pay to play. Yes, which is fine. I mean, shouldn't yeah. expect it to be free. Right. You got value for it. And then the final one, I think we've talked about this recently. It rings a bell anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, the saturation of wellness content. So um, we did, I think we covered this in a, in a recent podcast. Yeah. So we don't need to belabor it, but it was about how um, you had some early adopters like the Cleveland Clinic, Mayo Clinic, went out in a huge way have built this national you know, tool, this national presence around brand journalism, and everybody and their mother is following suit, mm-hmm. but every new hospital that jumps into this arena dilutes the power of this kind of content by even a minimal amount. Um, and my running joke is, you know, how many heart healthy recipe articles can we actually tolerate as right. audiences before we just finally just throw up our hands and run off the edge of the cliff uh mm-hmm. so the, the point here is it doesn't mean you shouldn't have one you just have to be realistic in your goals about what it can achieve mm-hmm. you can still try to own your local market if you do it well it's got to support your brand all those kind of things but the real power is taking that same perspective and the same approach to your strategic marketing efforts mm-hmm. like you're 
your service line marketing mm-hmm. campaigns mm-hmm. and applying content marketing to that. So we've talked about that, right? Yeah, and getting your experts involved in the content so it could be uniquely yours. Mm-hmm. And I, re- I, I, you, you call it the the what is it? The heart friendly. What what did you just call it? Five heart healthy recipes. Heart healthy recipes. I I've I see it as meatless Monday because there was one day I turned on I looked through Facebook on Monday, and it was six or seven hospitals were like meatless Monday recipes and I didn't first of all didn't realize it was a thing, secondly I don't they know all seem either. the same I mean they all seem the same it's like right synonymous what is meatless Monday it's like meatless what? recipes so like but vegetarian why? recipes. I think they like the alliteration and and one person picked it up and now everybody like not everybody, but you know, there was five or six of these uh, hospitals doing meatless Monday. I would love to be, I would love to do an investigation. In fact, that could be a cool podcast investigating. What's it called? Not semantics, but the, the origin of words or sayings like uh, we were just talking about how um, someday recently was back to the future day. Yeah, that was last week. Yeah. Because it was the it was the day in which they went back in the second movie. It's like who cares about yeah. the second movie, whatever. <laughs> um, there's there's um, May the, the Star Wars Day, May the Fourth. Yeah, that's not that old. I mean, I don't know if right. that's two years old or what. But who starts these things? Who starts Meatless Monday? Where did that begin? Somewhere it had to start. And yeah. I would love to dig all the way back and try to uncover. I suppose you could just do Google searches until you got. You could, those. yeah. You can. You can. There are ways that you could track that to see when it was first published, like yeah. when the first, um, you know, maybe LexisNexis would actually be able to help with that because they chronicle chronologically more than Google. Well, Google does it, but yeah, but I mean, it's hard to. Have you tried to do a uh, like a chronological search on Google? No, can you do that though? I, I haven't been able to. In- I haven't been able to sort them that way. I wish I could. Like most recent upfront. Yeah, but. Um, I, it would be very useful if they don't have that already. Maybe yeah, that's interesting. You think we know that, but that would be the really dangers of digital not being able of... to sort your searches by time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure that's it. I'm not sure that's a digital, but or a danger, a danger of the search. So, All right. so check out the blog post. You'll find it's it really at, good. Um, re, thinkrevivehealth.com. Go to our blog, which you can find at the top nav, and you'll mm-hmm. see it right in there. Right, exactly. Exactly. That's all we got for this time. We had another article, but we don't have time for it. We're kind of short on time. We're short on time. We're short on time for our our double millennial sesquicentennial. I know. It was kind of a lame 275. I know. What's going on with that? I don't know. A lame 275. Is that the name of the podcast? A lame? The lame 275? I think it should just be called Glenn. Poor Glenn. We'll t- we're we're going to tell we're going to tell our our marketing folks to tell us when Glenn. What well, let's why don't we why don't we try to spice it up with a new name? I just googled the year two seventy five just to see what you know. Oh, and it was known as the year of the consulship of Aurelianus and Marcellinus. Would you say that again, please? Yeah, <laughs> I want to hear that on the recording again. <laughs> I will try to pronounce it better. <laughs> year of the consulship of Aurelianus. <laughs> Seriously, that's how it's pronounced. And Marcellinus, or less frequently, Abba Urba <laughs> Condita. <laughs> I don't speak Latin, so I have no idea. Um, don't you have a def- a name for it though, like two seventy five, or is it the year of something? Like your first anniversary is. I guess you never have a two hundred seventy fifth wedding anniversary, unless you're a vampire. Oh my goodness! Yeah, that'd, that'd be, be the horrible. Year of <laughs> violets. This is this in this year Gaul pillaged the Franks on this day on this year. 
In oh, you're just looking at 275. The, the year, year 275. Yeah, it goes way back. Gaul pillaged the Franks. That's right. <laughs> okay. And uh, nothing much more. Aurelian uh, falls victim to a conspiracy of the Praetorian Guard and is murdered oh, near wow. Turkey. Who's Aurelian? Was he the emperor? Yeah, the emperor, emperor Aurelian. Aurelian. <laughs> yes, of that of, guy. Well, yeah, he's the emperor of Rome. That's why it's the year of Aurelianus. <laughs> All right, dude. <laughs> With that, I think we need to we need to look into pronunciation. Yes. Okay. Okay. I All don't right. That really added to our podcast. Yeah, we can cut that last part out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll do, we'll cut it off now. For the Healthcare Marketing Underground, this is Chris Bevelo. And Chris Boyer. See you next time. Bye.